I just remember being so miserable and feeling like I can't leave. And I got thrown down the stairs literally by the universe and broke my right foot. So now I have a cast on my right foot and a knee brace on my left foot. I've been one month out since surgery. And I go back to work like the next day with like the boot and the thing. And I like, couldn't even walk. And I get myself into the space. I'm like, this is like, <laughs> like horrible. And I'm so unhappy. And and like the universe tried to do everything it could to like not send me back yet. I still, that's how stuck I was. I like, that wasn't enough for me. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dairy to Move podcast. I'm your host, Colleen. So today I am re-airing an episode. It's with Kira Doyle. She is amazing. Um, I've been wanting to release some episodes for a while now, just because it's been a few years since they've been out. So I'm just going to start going through my library and just seeing what I have. This was originally back in 2020 this came out, but I love this one because... It's about human design, and she's amazing, and I love how she explains human design. Um, I think the next three episodes are going to be re-releases, just because I'm going to be on my ayahuasca retreat next week, next weekend. And I'm in a weird funk, in a weird space right now, and I just don't <laughs> really want to be dealing with anything, honestly. I just want to start preparing for next weekend. So this is why I'm re-releasing this. And then I'll have a few more for the, I'll schedule a few more for while I'm at the retreat and then for the weekend after, just in case I'm not ready to talk about it. But who knows? But I know you will love this episode. I know I did when it was first aired. If you've listened to it before, maybe listen to it again. I have a little bit new listeners this time around, so if you've never listened to it, listen to this episode. I love her. I love how she explains human design, and I hope you all have a good week. Bye. Um, So today we have Kira Doyle. She is a full-time facilitator, so she works 9 to 5, and then she also does human design. She does human design readings, and so this episode is... Just so good. I loved, I love her and I loved talking to her. Um, but we talk about a little bit about how she got to where she is today. And human. we talk all about human design. So if you've never heard of human design, this episode is for you. If you have heard of it, this episode is still for you because she explains it in a way that blew my mind. And it, I completely understand it now a little bit better than I did before. And then she talks, we actually talk about a little bit about relationships and external validation, self-esteem while it being in the relationship. And then how the universe literally physically punched her in the face. And it's pretty funny. It was a funny story, but it's just insane how we limit ourselves and feel and kind of make ourselves stuck. I feel like that's what we do. But yes, so this episode is fantastic and enjoy. Like, I think it was Monday. I'm like, I just want to break down just bawling for no reason. I just felt very heavy. Mm -hmm. Don't know why. I know a lot, like 
for a while now, I've just been feeling like my playfulness and my silliness is gone and I don't know how to get it back. Like laughter is mm-hmm. so hard for me to do. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just like I'm diving deep into all the inner work that I don't know how to not be serious right now. It's very strange. I know, I know what you mean. I definitely been through phases like that. And then you like start laughing for the first time and you're like, oh my God, where what that felt so good. Where was that been this yeah. whole time? I need to watch more kids movies, I think. I was just going to say like when I'm feeling badly one of the things that I can't deny laughing at or like it's like a tv show or like a movie mm-hmm. like I'm like oh, actually that is funny I have to laugh yeah when I can't see like the humor in my own life tv yeah. can really help yeah I love tv a little too much but I digress on that <laughs> all right so you are a hairdresser mm-hmm. facilitator which I didn't know and human design reader yeah. so yes how did you get into all of that <laughs> And I'm guessing facilitators, your nine to five, your hairdressing is. Yeah. So I, I guess I do both in my nine to five. I work okay. for a big beauty brand and I work in digital education and I work on creating pieces for beauty professionals. So I work on the professional side of the beauty brand. And so it's all about educating our educators. So we have a team of 375 uh, beauty professional educators that go out and train other salons and other hair hairstylists on how to use our products. So oh. I kind of train the trainers. Um, and I've been doing that for about five years, which is really fun. And that kind of mm-hmm. developed, um, you know, from me being behind the chair, but also always having a really weird background. So background going, you know, through, went to college for uh, writing, was working at a hair salon while I was in college. And yeah, I just, from there, I kind of had a lost year where I wasn't sure, am I going to go to cosmetology school? Am I going to stay in corporate or try to get into the corporate world? I ended up going corporate for a little while, pulled back, went through yoga teacher training, got certified to be a yoga teacher and decided I want to go work behind the chair, went to cosmetology school, (laughs) and then when I found this beauty brand, it kind of like put a bow on everything. Um, Uh So the facilitation, you know, I I had been teaching yoga, so I had some experience doing that, the hairdresser side, everything kind of tied in together. So I've gotten here. You've dabbled in a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you do love, um, hairdressing and then the job that you do though I do yeah I still love I still love those pieces and I don't think that's ever going to go away for me um and with the human design that I'm into right now it's just Mm -hmm. really I don't know it's just connected to my energy type being a manifesting generator where I am meant to do multiple things at the same time too. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wouldn't serve me to just have a podcast and only focus on that or to just work with clients on hair and just do that. I actually mm-hmm. work best when I'm kind of scattered in a lot of directions, but we'll see what the future holds for me in terms of as human design keeps amping up, as the podcast is amping up, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm similar I guess you'll tell me later (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know I've never dabbled into human design really so I only looked at my chart a little bit but um I know and you're a manifester too so we have so much to talk about news to me like I remember us talking on the phone I'm like yeah I don't feel like one so cool (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, God. Okay, so I guess we'll I guess we'll dabble into human design and how you got into that because it's interesting because like hairdresser, the first girl I interviewed, uh, Casey Smith, she was actually hairdresser too, and she's a life coach now, and it kind of makes sense because hairdresser, you kind of talk to people all the time and you kind of know their lives and you kind of try and help them out and stuff. So human design to me kind of goes along with that because in the end you're telling someone their design and it's going to help them out in the long run with their life. Yeah. I, I definitely think there has been a golden thread behind hairdressing, teaching yoga and human design is that I always had helping this person love themselves kind of at the center of the work I'm doing. And there mm-hmm. was a really long period of time where, and I swear it's because I grew up like <laughs> with like a bowl haircut that my mom like just forced <laughs> me to have until I was like six years old. <laughs> and I used to just think I wouldn't be beautiful until I had long hair. That was like all I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking beauty was this like, renowned like higher than like to be beautiful would be like the coolest thing because I just never Mm -hmm. saw myself as that when I was little and I think as when I was growing up and like coming of age I started realizing I was skilled in helping other people feel really beautiful through their hair and for me that was like that was the best service I could offer was to make Mm -hmm. somebody feel good in their skin and and then I went through a really dark time in my life post-college where I got really lost and I just wanted to like find myself again and be connected to my body. And that's where yoga came through and it saved, it saved my life. It really just, I don't know what I would have done in those years without it. And so then my, the way I was going to help people was going to be through teaching them that modality that saved me and helped them get in their body. And I, I'm always about like, I guess I think about it from like, how do I value loving yourself right now? Like what is the number one thing that I think is going to help you love yourself? And then that's where I cater my work to. And after, you know, yoga teacher training, being a hairdresser, it did, it did kind of come back around again where I was feeling like, okay, got the beauty knowledge down, making people feel good here, got like the physical body, some spirituality, but I myself was really lost because I'd always been this jack of all trades and although I had a, a job that people were proud of me for and said, oh, here, like the big beauty brand people were like, oh, this is why you had that winding career. Like it makes so much sense. But internally for me, I was feeling kind of lost and I was feeling confused. Why, if I have this great job, do I still mm-hmm. want to explore other things? Like what is wrong? And right. so when I found human design and figured my energy type out, which is manifesting generator, that's when it became really clear to me that my soul had this path for me and it was okay for me to really go down the rabbit hole of anything that was exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And that permission that I got through human design through understanding my own chart is something I wanted to infuse to every single person that I knew. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I make you feel so good being yourself? Because ultimately I think beauty, neither here nor there, feeling really good in your physical body. Yeah, that's so important, but really being aligned with yourself, really showing up authentically and with like just full permission and joy to be yourself. That to me was like, I have to help people with this. I have to share. 
people. And so that's where, that's kind of where it's led me. And now I'm doing a little, little bit of everything. Both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with still wanting to look beautiful, but also fix it, like wanting to be beautiful on the inside too. So, Oh, a hundred percent. And I, by the way, I still am like a huge advocate for good hair products, like <laughs> have a great colorist, you know, take good care of your skin. I love taking care of my physical body, eating well, all of those things and yeah. human design, like a lot of times within your chart, you're going to find things in that, in that area that totally like for me, physical appearance is important. And that's in my chart, right? Taking care of my physical body is actually written in my chart that I'm meant to be wow. the type of person that really is into that. So yeah. So you, you just get to uncover so many things about yourself, um, that you kind of already knew and, it's just the most magical thing to realize everything that you're not, everything that you've been working so hard to pretend to be, your soul like already knows better than you. And it's like, no, you don't have to worry about that. You're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how long have you been a hairdresser for? So I've been in the beauty industry for, I'm probably going to date myself, but like 15 years. Um, But I wasn't certified as a hairdresser until seven years ago. Okay. And then you've been doing human design for a, a little under two years. Okay. Yeah. I like to pile things on, you know, like yeah, one side. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So how, so speaking of piling things on, so how do you manage having all this, I guess, stuff to do work to do because you're, you're doing hairdressing, you're a facilitator with that um, beauty brand and you do human design. So how do you manage all that without freaking the fuck out? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that I don't freak out and, um, I'm not working as a hairdresser anymore. I'm working strictly. I have like a nine to five, which is always like a nine to, you know, six or seven, um, that I work full time. And, um, and then on top of that, I manage, I have a podcast. And so, yeah, you have your podcast too. Yeah. So yeah. I, How do you I do definitely <laughs> don't have a, like, I wouldn't recommend that anybody take my schedule and try to duplicate it. And I've always been this way. Like when I went through cosmetology school, I enrolled with not having a, a dime. Like I just was like, I got to enroll. I borrowed money from my mom to put the down pay- payment down on my school. And I had a job at a night. Uh, it wasn't a nightclub. This job wasn't a nightclub, but I have worked in nightclubs. But this job was uh, was like working at a cocktail lounge. And so the the shifts were like, you know, six o'clock and on until mm-hmm. about two in the morning. And so I went to school full time, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And then I would go, you know, three, four nights a week to the the lounge and and work. And I paid through school. And on the weekends, I would serve the brunch shift and then work the night shift. And I didn't have a day off for a year. Um, and, and not only that, but I was sleeping like four hours. And I, that was definitely like the most amplified version of the chaos I, I've taken on work-wise. Um, but I like when I have something in my mind, I can't get it out of my head. And I just want to like accelerate until I get to the thing. Mm-hmm. And so... I think what I'm doing right now, and I'm trying to be mindful, there's no race. There's no, uh, nothing has to happen at a specific time. And it's, it's really about creating pockets of time. And it, it helps me, my, a lot of my clientele is from Saudi Arabia for human design which is a whole nother story. But I take a lot of sessions in the morning at 7.30 a.m. before 
my job starts. So I'll read from 7.30 to 8.30 and then I'm already at my office for my nine o'clock start time and podcasting. Um, I, I do usually Monday nights, um, either recording a solo session or doing an interview with someone and, you know, record and edit usually through the night. And then I release on Tuesday. Holy crap. Never like, I know when we were talking. I just edit on Monday and it stresses me out. I don't, couldn't imagine doing both. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times I won't have like an interview interview, but I'll just edit it. If I do a self record, it's just, yeah, yeah, I usually do that too. All in that same night. Um, just to, just to get it out. And then I release it that next day. Cause I don't have like a backlog. I just, I, my schedule does not allow for that right now. Um, wow. and now going on podcasts, which is so cool, but that's, that's a, a whole other, you know, layer of time now that I'm trying to mash in. So ultimately if someone was trying to, <laughs> if I was going to give advice, oh, I would say probably choose one. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be two side things, two side hustles at the same time. Um, <laughs> but, but it's been, it's been so rewarding. And since I'm a generator type in human design, the more work I do that I love, the more lit up I am to continue to show up. So I actually show up at work better all day when I've read a human design chart in the morning. Like I'm just so fulfilled. And I'm just mm-hmm. lit up that I can sit down and do a PowerPoint or Excel spreadsheet and be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of need it almost. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't recommend the lifestyle though that I have right now. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I, no offense, but I kind of feel better about my... Yeah. I mean, anyone is better off than me. <laughs> wow. No, that's just... I give props to you because that's that's a lot. <laughs> I think too, you just got to keep in mind where, like where you're at right now is where you're at right now. And the choices that you make today are going to affect where you are in a couple of years. And so this is not like my permanent lifestyle. I've had years where things were a lot easier and I'm in a transitional phase. And so I know that this piece is necessary to get to the next thing. And I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I don't, year's going to pass anyway. So am I going to like spend this year doing the the least I can do and hope for Mm -hmm. a different year next year? Am I going to like go for it and, and, and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that was such good advice and you probably didn't even mean it to be advice, but it was. And I think that's going to be very motivational for people to hear, especially me who's going through this stressful time right now of just I just need to relax but but wow um so you started human design a few years ago so let's I kind of want to dive deeper into how that changed your life because you I think you said you were going through some some things around the time or before yoga or yeah. Oh, I had a really dark time before yoga, um, where I was just completely lost. I was in my early twenties and mm-hmm. went through a really hard breakup, moved to New York city, ended up living on a couch with a friend mm-hmm. unexpectedly thought I had an apartment lined up and like a tragedy happened. And so mm-hmm. I just ended up kind of lost and there, everything was falling apart in the right way. Yeah. I think I was maybe set up to think, I don't know, to think that life was going to look differently than it did. And, and it was mm-hmm. a blessing. It, it ended up working out the way it did. Um, 
but for human design, I think if I'm being really honest, I got to a place in my career where I felt like I not peaked because that's a really, that would have been lovely to have peaked, but it felt like <laughs> I've gotten uh, kind of to the glass ceiling as far as I could see in terms of what mattered to me. And so I was able to do this really big training uh, and teach 2000 hairdressers. I led a classroom and it was like the coolest experience of my life. And everything had kind of been leading up to this, like knowing I was going to be one of the key facilitators and getting really ready for it. I love, I love the stage. I love teaching. I love facilitating like that lights me up so much. And it was this amazing high. And then when I came off the stage, it was just like I tanked. Like mm-hmm. I had never been lower um, within the couple of days to follow. And I think I started questioning, like, what am I teaching? All right. I was teaching social mm-hmm. media, teaching beauty. And here I have 2,000 people that are in the audience listening to what I have to say. And it was starting to feel inauthentic to me again. And Mm -hmm. I was starting to think like, I want to be able to use this voice in a different way. And also I was completely unaligned in my, in my life. I was not paying at all attention to my finances. Um, I was just like swiping credit cards out of busyness. I was eating every single meal out. I wasn't working out. I, if I wanted to like look good, I was just like, do you've heard of like intermittent fasting, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, like if I want to like fit into that, like and look good on stage, I'll just like intermittent fast for like a couple months and like just drink coffee and like really reduce my calories. Where I know that taking care of my body is actually like the way for me to feel really good while I did those things, but I was just so out of it. I was operating on this like different frequency. And so financially I was a mess, like physically, I just like, wasn't feeling cared for. My hormones were completely out of balance. And I I honestly, everything got triggered by me starting to take care of my finances and my financial advisor, um, or the woman who started the company that I go through for financial advisor, it's called the financial gym. Um, Mm -hmm. her name's Shannon McGlay. She has the most amazing podcast called martinis and your money. And I started Mm -hmm. listening to her podcast and that, um, opened my mind to podcasts, like that you could go to podcasts for education and that there was this value. And that's where I found the amazing communities that I know you and I are both a part of, found yeah. almost 30 podcasts. I also found human design mm-hmm. listening to podcasts. And, yeah. and I, when I found out, I was like, I have to get my chart read. But of course yeah, I, I wanted to book with Jenna Zoe, who was the woman yeah. that had heard. She's amazing. And she had a seven month wait list. And so instead of just, I booked it, of course, like I did it right away. I whipped out my credit card. I'm like getting this thing, but I had to wait seven months. And in that seven months, I bought every book, went down every rabbit hole, listened to every podcast I could find research. Like, I mean, every night I was on Google, like just human design. (laughs) Like I couldn't get enough of it. And, um, I just caught the bug. Um, and, and in it, yeah, it helped me tremendously. I think that was your question. I don't even know. It helped me tremendously. Yeah. How did it change your life? <laughs> it, it got me spiritually aligned in a way that I have never been before. I don't know about you, but I was raised Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of, and not to diss anybody, anyone's religion, mm-hmm. but for me, how it felt, I always felt like 
the Catholic church was making me so afraid to live. So like, fear, yeah. It's not, not afraid to die. Cause once yeah. you die, you're good. You're good. Like, I know. But to live, I was so scared. Um, like, yep. Anything that I was interested in, any like sexual yep. attraction or wanting to drink and explore, just do like normal things. Like swearing even. Swearing. No, it's um, ridiculous. Any of the stuff, I just like lived in fear. Mm-hmm. But there was a part of the religion and the spirituality that did feel really good. And when I gave up the Catholic church, I gave that up too. So it, my whole yeah. 20s was like a journey back to what spirituality means to me. Yeah. And it's really come full circle now that I realize it's the same God mm-hmm. that I prayed to when I was little. This is the same power. This is the same feeling. And I can call the universe, I can call it God. I can call God a he or a her. I can say mm-hmm. it's this collective universal love or energy. It's the, it's the Reiki energy. It's the things that we get to our knees and we pray on the rosary beads with. It's all the same. And Mac was for human design as well. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And mm-hmm. finding finding my connection to my soul the way I did through my reading to know like my soul preemptively thought about all of this stuff for me. Like like you look in your chart and you're like, this is me to a T. And how like my show, my soul just knew to show up this way. And mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. That's so good. It's made me all tingly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel you on the fear thing with um, religion. I remember one time we were in Virginia. My my dad's family is very religious. And my aunt's like, how can you have peace in your life if you don't go to church? And I'm like, I'm fine. I go outside in nature. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be in a church to feel peace in your life. And a lot of the things that we've learned from spirituality and self-development is finding peace within yourself too, mm-hmm. not just in God and the church. Yeah. I think a lot of religious people don't realize. And a lot of think- them, a lot of them do. And right. So like, it's, mm-hmm. you don't want to bucket and say they all are this way, but yeah, I, Most I of them, yeah. totally know what you mean. And it's a lot of people on my dad's side of the family are they're very like Irish Catholic and they have really stern beliefs. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting now with the development of, you know, everything that's being uncovered about the church on a day-to-day basis with, you know, all the accusations. It's interesting to see them still stand by it and act like it's nothing, you know? And um, someone at, at my church where my parents go, where I was raised, um, was fired because he was gay. He was the music, um, like the choir uh, director. Yeah. And it, because of you know, finding out he was gay, he was he was let go of. And my, that's when my mom was like, okay, we're done. I'm done with this church. Like, oh, good. You know, I'm, I'm putting my hands up and my dad still goes, but it's really changed. It's changed a lot. I mean, we're not just following along anymore. I think people are realizing like we have our own internal moral compass and there's no black and white on what's right and what's wrong. Um, you know, and we certainly can't follow like what is in a book that was written 2000 years ago. Like it just doesn't doesn't work. I know it doesn't. Yeah. I feel like we're awakening and good for your mom for leaving because 
just when you said he was fired for that, I'm like, that's just so fucked up. I just, and even the Pope, I think has said, which I love him so much. He said, you know, I don't care if you're gay, as long as you like love God, he doesn't care. And I'm like, that's so amazing. And he like believes in climate change. Like this Pope is freaking awesome. He's so cool. I know the coolest Pope. I just wish that some of the, you know, bishops below him, like everyone else, the cardinals would just start taking note of what he's saying. Because I feel like he's on a different wavelength than everyone else. Yeah, I think there's a definitely, I think 2012 is when the awakening started. And I think that um, people are realizing that you don't really need the church. You can just believe in God and have love and peace within yourself and you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, good. I didn't think we'd talk about religion today, but <laughs> same. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. It just came out. I know, and it's it's funny how you not funny, but how you mentioned you kind of when you left the church, you kind of left God there too. And I did the same thing. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to believe in this. It's not. I didn't believe in what the church believed, so I was like, I don't want to believe in this. And last year, I finally became spiritual again. So yeah. I I heard this somewhere once, this quote, and they said, um, God's target is so big that if you aim, you will not miss. And I just loved that. I just thought there's no way we can screw this up. As long as we're reaching for that higher thing, like his target is so big, we're going to get, we're going to hit it. And it's not this limited, like you weren't born into this religion and had access to this one book, like you can't go to heaven, which, which I was always raised to believe. I remember feeling so badly for like people who weren't Catholic. I was like, oh God, I feel so bad. Like they're not going to go to heaven. Like what's going to happen to them? That's just crazy. I guess we could talk about this all night. (laughs) I didn't even think about that actually about other people not going to heaven I like stayed up at night like worrying about (laughs) what's gonna happen wow crazy I had a lot of guilt as a child for some reason I probably have like a weird past life thing yeah I think I had a lot of guilt too it reminded just the church (laughs) yeah I don't know I think we all had a lot of guilt for something what I don't for whatever reason my sister didn't. She really? Was, yeah. Hmm. Was, yeah. I just some people. Maybe she does with something you just haven't talked about. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Hey, who knows? All right. So back to human design. Did you ever do your reading with Jenna Zoe? I did. <laughs> seven yeah, I did. months I into it. it when you're probably like, I can already read my I own. Seven right. months later. It's really interesting. And this is like one thing I've learned about the chart is that everybody has their own way of explaining things mm-hmm. and that you can always go a level deeper and a level deeper, deeper. And so she called some stuff out that I actually didn't know about. And it's interesting. I told her, I was like, Hey, I, I, I've been reading charts. I know how to read mine. Um, she was like, Oh, that's awesome. And then she just kind of like went into my chart and she still blew my mind on a couple of things. Yeah. The more I read too, the more that I realize. I have so much more insight into what one little thing on there means that it's like, it just forever expands. And I think this is why I'll never get tired of this practice. Cause like you can just keep going. It just, it doesn't end. It's not like a horoscope where you're like, uh, you're a cancer, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, it's endless. Yeah. Do you want to just explain the, um, they're called designs, right? 
Oh, the energy types. Energy types. Yeah. So, so I keep saying design. Do you want to just explain briefly what each of them are? Yeah, sure. Should I start with like a really quick overview of what human design is? Like how yeah, you yeah, get a chart? Yeah. So, so human design is a way, it takes your exact birth time to calculate a body graph. And your body graph is comprised of astrology, the I Ching, which is Chinese astrology, Kabbalah, and the chakra system. And it not only takes your birth time, but it actually goes back 88 days before you're born and it takes your soul's birth time oh, and merges the two that. You're getting double, double the astrology charts, double the I Ching, wow. double the chakra, double the Kabbalah. So you get this master, master body graph. And a lot of people say that this is like astrology on crack. It really is. And within your body graph, you have open and defined energy centers. And so our open centers are where we take in the world. This is where we're highly influenced by our surroundings, by other people. And this is where we are what I call, or not what I call, but what's called condition. This is where we are so susceptible to our conditioning. Those are the white, the white things. The white centers are, are open. And then our defined energy centers, these are us. This is our personality. These are the centers in us that are really stable. And this is like, we can really rely on these. This isn't going to change. This is our personality. This is us. Um, we can make decisions out of these energy centers. Everybody's going to have one dominant energy center that they make a decision from. And, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of the overarching theme mm-hmm. of human design. And then within that, depending on what's open and closed in you, you're going to receive one of five different energy types. So the five energy types really quickly, number one, we have manifestors, which is Colleen. Mm-hmm. Manifestors make up less than 6% of the population. They're very special. These are the guys that like wrote the book, The Secret, right? So I think something and therefore I am. I have an idea and I can go ahead and initiate and act on it right away. Back in the day, manifestors, she's shaking her head like, this doesn't sound like me. And and I'll I'll get to why. Um, But back in the day, manifestors are the types of people that like, they were the head of the tribe. They were the king or the pharaoh. They were the one that was telling everybody what to do. And the people that were doing what the manifestors were telling them to do were the generator types. Generators make up 70% of the population and that's split between pure generators and manifesting generators. So the work of the generator types is to produce energy. So they have their sacral lit up and they are energy creators. They're here to work. And as long as they love the work that they're doing, they're going to continue to be lit up. And they're, when they're lit up, they light everyone else up around them. So they're bringing up everyone else as long as they're doing well. Um, they're really here to respond to life. So they're not meant to have a thought and then initiate on it right away. They're always waiting for something external to come in and let them know whether or not they have the energy to fulfill or do this thing. The difference between a pure generator and a manifesting generator is the way that their paths are designed. So pure generators have it in them if they wanted to have a very linear path. They could get like the same job right out of college and pretty much nobody does this anymore. But if they wanted, they could stay in that job or within that field of work until they retire. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of have a little bit more of a traditional kind of climbing up the ladder of success. And they really have in their path the opportunity for mastery. Whereas manifesting generators are like little energizer bunnies and mm-hmm. they're always 
attracted by the next shiny thing. They're going to be attracted to me. 100%. You <laughs> attracted to so many different things in their lives. And they're actually really meant to do multiple things at one time. And they really skip whatever steps um, they find like are not necessary in order to achieve mastery faster. So they're always trying to get like a shortcut to mastery. Hmm. And the universe loves when manifesting generators try something new and it always sends them like a quick surge of mastery so they can hurry up, get good at that thing and move on. So that's manifesting generators. The other type is called projectors. And projectors, I always call them like, these are the birds living among the colony of squirrels. So the squirrels are the generators. And say the game of life is to get acorns, right? So all the squirrels are down on the ground, like digging through the dirt, trying to find acorns. They climb the tree, they go up, they find the acorn, they pull it down. And the bird is born into the squirrel community and thinks, yep, this must be the way it is. So they use their little beak to pull the acorn out of the ground. They climb up the tree to go grab the acorns up there. And then one day they pass a river and they catch their reflection. They're like, wait a minute. I don't even look like the other types, right? Like I, I got these wings, like I can fly. So they fly up in the sky and from there they can see down at their squirrel community and they realize their squirrels are wasting their time over here on these trees and all the good acorns are over there. So they can tell everyone, Hey guys, go over here, go to the other tree. That's where the better acorns are. Projectors always do best when they give themselves that space, when they get out of the physical work and they allow themselves to fly up so that they can direct mm. and guide other people. Mm. And yeah, but very oftentimes, because we live in a generator world, we'll find projectors who are not living according to their alignment and they're working way too much. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the key for projectors. It's about doing less work and really allowing themselves to first recognize themselves mm-hmm. and allow themselves to take the first step towards flying. Whereas what we often see with projectors is a bunch of angry projectors down on the ground, screaming at everybody, like, look at me, I have wings, I have wings. Everyone's like, I don't know what that means. So I don't know what to do with that. We don't want to hear that you have wings. We want to see you fly. So that takes first the self-recognition, that self-reflection mm-hmm. moment to go like, you know what? I'm going to go up there and I'm going to fly. Wow. So that's projectors and they have their own special strategy, which is to wait for the invitation. So projectors need to be really careful because they have a very penetrating aura that they allow um, the universe and everyone that they know to invite them in before they kind of force their way through um, out of a need to be recognized. All projectors really want is to be seen. And so they're always like trying to be, be recognized by other people. And so their strategy really is waiting for that invitation and giving that self-love to themselves. Mm-hmm. The last type is called reflectors. Reflectors are so rare. They make up less than 1% of the population mm-hmm. and they are completely open. So we talked about open and defined energy centers. Their entire body graph is just white. Wow. They- of everything from everybody else. And their job is to be these chameleons and to reflect back to society where society is at. And they reflect back to you and I, how we're doing, right? And so everyone has at least one reflector in their life. And when you're with this reflector, if you really love them, it's because you are good with yourself. And if they are annoying you, it's because you're not good with yourself and they're bringing stuff out of you that you don't like. Wow. If you are a reflector, your job is around deconditioning as much as possible, giving yourself alone time and allowing yourself to really kind of shift and pivot. And don't get so caught up in 
titles because it's really difficult for you to call yourself anything because you might change again tomorrow. So it's healthy for you to use words like I'm doing this right now, right? Or this is what I'm into at the moment. Um, by the way, in an hour, it might change, right? Mm-hmm. And just really kind of give yourself the space. And for reflectors, it takes about a month, a full month for them to make a decision. So they have to give themselves tons oh, of space yeah. so that they can kind of experience the full cycle of everything. And then they can come out the other side. So that's the five energy types. Wow. Thank you so much for explaining that. Like I've heard this probably five times already and you just explained it in a way that I fucking understand it now. Oh God. I'm <laughs> oh, so thank you. Um, but it's funny today I was listening to a podcast on the way home from work and the guy in it saying growing up, he was always like a chameleon and just fitting in with everybody. And I'm like, Whoa, he must be a reflector. Maybe he was. And I'm just like, Whoa, this like really like, maybe he is, I don't know. But I just thought that was funny that I am sort of understanding it more to where I can like pick up on people's yeah energy types. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for, yeah. Thank you. Oh yeah. And if anyone wants to look up their energy type, um, there's two websites that I use. One is mybodygraph.com yep. and the other one is Jovian Archive. Yeah. Yeah. I find my body graph to be better, but yeah, my, my body graph is good. Cause there's a lot more information you can kind yeah. of self navigate and click on stuff. It's interactive. Yeah. When I read, I read with Jovian because it's just a yeah. chart. And so since yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So I just use, I use that one cause it's like a nice blank slate. Um, but, but my body graph is a really good one. If you want to kind of click around and see what some stuff means. Yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit about the graphs or do you think that's going to confuse people? Um, in which sense? Like just explaining how the graph works. Cause there's like red and black lines that connect. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that'll confuse people? Cause they can't. No, I think it's a good, it's a good call out. Okay. So when you look at a body graph, um, you'll see, like we said, the nine energy centers, again, the white yeah. ones are the ones that are open. Mm-hmm. The defined energy centers are color. Now yeah. the color is just the color of that energy center. Oh, okay. So you don't have to worry about looking at what that means. Um, so if it's beige or if it's red or if it's green, that's just the ener- energy center color. Okay. Um, inside, you'll see red and black lines. And so yep. we talked earlier about there being, you know, two body graphs in here, not just one. There's the soul body graph um, and the, the personality body graph, right? So personality is your birthday, the soul body graph, that's your design. And so the red lines symbolize everything for you that comes through on a design level. And so you'll see they're always associated and attached to numbers and those numbers are gates. And if the gates are connected, if two energy centers are connected, that's a channel. And if it's not, it's called the hanging gate. Now the black lines are your personality. So that's an energy that's being expressed on a personality. And really the difference here is like personality, it's like very upfront. It's how you know yourself. It's how you present to the world. It's going to be really obvious stuff that you're like, oh yeah, hundred percent, that's me. Anybody could tell you that that's exactly how I am, where the soul stuff is a little bit more on a subconscious level. People that know you really well will definitely be like, oh yeah, Colleen's totally like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it might not be as obvious to someone who doesn't know you very well. And it might be the kind of thing that you're like, oh, hmm, yeah, I guess you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. But so, and that's kind of how it comes through. Now, if you see 
a gate and it looks striped like a candy cane of the black and red, that means it's coming through on a soul and a personality level. So it's going to be mm-hmm. an extra strong energy for you in that area. So what happens if it's just white? That's just open then still? Yeah. If it's white, there's nothing there. It's just a, it's, it's either half of it is a, is a open gate or the whole channel is completely white. Interesting. Now what's going to trip you up even more is that if you were to take another person's body graph, say we were to take like a partner's body graph and look at it, you actually absorb their stuff where you're open. So when you spend time with them, say you have a whole white channel, (laughs) um, you're going to pick up on their stuff and it's actually going to kind of start to connect for you. So there's there's so much far beyond just your chart. Um, yeah. when we look at how, how we work together. Ultimately, we all connect each other. And there might be a part of you that you can't access on your own. But then when you bring in the right friend or partner, all of a sudden you are firing off ideas uh, or say you're you automatically, you're like, I'm deeply connected to my, my, uh, my emotions right now. And I'm typically not. So other people affect how we show up in our own chart. Yeah. Which intuitively we know that, right? We know that yeah. there's people that like when I'm with them, I can't stop telling stories. And there's other people when I'm with them, I'm like deeply insecure about something and I don't know what it is. And so mm. a lot of that is energetic stuff that's happening deep within our graph. Wow. So would any would um human design be like astrology where certain designs work better together in relationships, or it's just or it's just you got to compare your graphs and just make sure you can make the relationship work. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it, it's, it's it totally. It's not it's not quite like astrology in that sense because you're like Libra I, should not be with yeah. Tauruses or whatever, I don't even know, but <laughs> no, no, every everyone can be together um for the most part, but you will see there's something called the alpha channel um Actually, half of it is present in your chart, but not the full alpha, um, where we'll all know these two people are not going to be able to coexist or or co-work together um, because there's going to be a lot of overlap. Um, And for the most part, it's hard to say because when I look at someone's chart, like I'm looking at yours right now, Colleen, um, I see only what you were born with and I don't know how the world has imprinted itself on you. So I don't know what you've done with what's open. And if you've lived in a very healthy upbringing environment, like your, your head could look totally different or your sense of self could look totally different than it would say it was not so positive or you didn't feel like you were growing or you were acknowledged or valued. And so I don't always know the full story of what I'm working with. And I would never try to make a call out and say, oh, this person's going to be a terrible partner uh, for that person based on this. It's real. that one's kind of a harder one to do, but I can give a really good baseline of predictions and where people need to work. I can always really call out, hey, there, this is where your work is. Does that make sense? Yes, good. We'll have to dig into that later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I was just curious because I when I went to the Almost 30 podcast event in New York City on October 4th, it was... Um, oh, oh, there was human design there, right? Yeah. What the heck was their name? I think I think I saw this. It was Erin Claire Aaron, Jones, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So she was there, but I, me and my friend were talking because she's a. I think my friend's a projector. Mm-hmm. I think yes, because she has to be 
invited into stuff. Yeah. So she's mm-hmm. a projector and we, I was like, Oh, I wonder if they, we were in the car talking. Like, I wonder if they have to, if it matches up like astrology does. But so I was like, I have to ask. <laughs> I was like, I have to ask Kira what I have her on the podcast. <laughs> I always thought two manifestors together would be absolutely insane. And it is, but um, two of my best friends are married and they're manifestors. So, mm-hmm. so it works <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to go back to you now. Um, so I remember when we were talking on the phone, we first, I guess, met (laughs) through (laughs) virtual, the internet, um, we were talking, well, you mentioned how this comes in where your fiance and you were, Mm. I don't know when this happened, but about like, if you stayed with him, your dreams wouldn't happen. I kind of wanted to dive into that just because I think that Cause you're still with him. So I think that would be very expansive for people to hear. Cause I feel like a lot of people probably feel that way. Mm, like you have to get rid of something yeah. or someone yeah. to. And I know some- a lot of like Lacey Phillips work. It is that you do have to get rid of some things, but it's just interesting. Yeah. I'm happy to share my personal story about it. I think I met my partner when I was transitioning from a hairdresser or yeah, I just graduated. Um, cosmetology school. I was just getting my first job as an apprentice. And I met him when I was in a place of really low self-worth. Mm. And uh, I had guess, kind of scraped myself up off the ground and was working, you know, a very unglamorous job, cleaning hair out of drains, doing, you know, shampoo, blow dry sweeping. And I just, the place I worked at, we weren't really treated with respect and it was making like $8 an hour. So I was very, I was in a place of kind of like neediness and needing, Mm -hmm. he was financially more stable than I, um, I was still getting over a heartbreak. It took me like two years to get over. Uh, and I was working on the side as a waitress and just, I just think I looked at my life and I was like, I'm not where I thought I was going to be. Um, when I met Dominic, my fiance, he was a rock for me. He was so secure. He was so stable. I think there's a part of him that fell in love with the idea of rescuing me mm-hmm. and being that guy that was just going to like, come on in and, and, and take care of me. But I think he learned really quickly. Like I had a lot of dreams. I had a lot of ambitions. I was going to bang through that year of apprenticeship there were definitely a lot of low points where he comforted me and was support, but our, our difficult times actually happened later when I transitioned into a more senior role. And when I started taking on more responsibility, and then when I got the job that I have now, I was traveling all the time. I was getting Mm -hmm. these really big, exciting, you know, opportunities and, there was a lot of resistance on his end. And I think it's because I was like the opposite probably of like what he thought he signed up for. Right. I'm not going to say that it's been like the easiest road. And there was times where I would fantasize like, oh, if I could just leave this relationship, like everything on the other side of it would be good. But that was also a false narrative because I needed to really kind of look at what I was what I was doing. Right. And there was, there was places in myself that I think, and I guess the best way I could say it is that I spent a really long time trying to escape from myself. Right. And when I found Dom, he was like a really good escape. And 
And then I spent a lot of time trying to escape the void I had in my relationship. And so I would go to work to do that. And I was like escaping Dom Mm -hmm. by going to work. And I was using Dom to escape myself. And there was no, I could quit the job. I could end the relationship, which I thought, oh yeah, if I could just do that, everything would be fine. But I never got to me. And it's been the past couple of years of self-work that I've done to realize like, I don't have to go anywhere. Um, I can stand in the fire of our, our conversations. I can stand in the argument. I know ultimately he is such a great support and to just really trust myself and not think like I'm not hanging on the thread of every word he says to me for acknowledgement Mm -hmm. or everything. Like I believed he was meant to do that. He didn't because I was just so deeply unfulfilled that I looked for that fulfillment in my partner. Does that make sense? And I think as I continue to grow, I expected the acknowledgement. I expected the accolades and that's not where he shows up. That's just not the kind of partner he is, which is fine because he shows up in other ways. And, and by me, you know, doing my own work, I just realized where I got to show up for myself. If that, if that, if that makes sense at all, I think, I think ultimately and this is probably like unsolicited advice for people in relationships, but like, (laughs) I think we, we get stuck on one side or the other of like, you have to fix yourself before you're going to find someone. You have to completely up your level of self-worth before you're going to find the partner. Or there's people who still have that same like damsel in distress vision. Like I'm just Mm going to be so weak and someone's going to come rescue me. And I am just an advocate for that. I think you can do both at the same time. I think you can work on a relationship and I think you can work on yourself. And I don't think you need to be perfect to enter into one. I think you both just have to be willing to look at the things that are hurtful. And we are such mirrors for each other. So he brings up every single insecurity that I have. And I bring up every single insecurity he has. And it's not by even the things we say to each other. It's the mm-hmm. way we both live our lives. Like he's super organized. By, like he's all like all these things. Yeah. And I'm like this artist and I'm kind of a mess. And that makes him more the artist, messy person he never allowed himself to become. And he brings out like my deepest insecurities around productivity and am I good enough? All these things. And I think that like, if I had just left the partnership, I would have just ran away from those insecurities and maybe try to find someone that just was like, you're so good. How you, you're so perfect. And ultimately that's not how I want to feel at the end of my life. I want to be with someone that does challenge me and shows me where my work is at. And we don't get along every day. I'm not going to lie. There's definitely days we're bigger, but like, it's a good, it stretches me so much and he has changed and grown so much. And Ultimately, I have the best relationship with myself that I have ever had. And I didn't have to go anywhere for that. I just had to go mm-hmm. inward. I love that. I'm glad I asked you that. Because I know a lot of the girls that we are part of groups with are always like, I'm going through this phase in my life and I don't know if I should break up with so-and-so because of it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that like a lot of people are in toxic relationships and yours doesn't sound that way. Like, obviously it's challenging and you're going to have hard times, but your sounds very healthy to me, whereas some of the women do need to like leave. But I think yeah. that I've been that, in a bad, I've been in a terrible yeah. one as well. <laughs> that was oh, no. so unhealthy. 
Um, and that this, was the one uh, when you were 20. Oh, no, no. So I was in like, in one year of my life, I had this guy who was like a raging alcoholic that I dated oh, and, um, and that, and I dated him for like six months and then literally week of breaking up with him. I got together with this other gentleman. Um, that was like love of my life. Soulmate, like mm-hmm. it just, it was the trippiest year of my life. And ultimately that relationship, um, ended just because it just, what the timing wasn't right. And mm-hmm. it was, that was the heartbreak. It took me a really, really long time to let go of, of just like yeah. holding on and thinking like, maybe the time will be better. And it, you know, it never yeah. was. So yeah, that was a polar opposite. I think I've experienced on the realm of like what you can feel in relationships, like everything. Like, yeah. I've been up and I down. Feel you on that. All of it. I've been dating 15, so, and I'm 30. You've been dating since 15? I've probably only been single probably six months out of time. Wow. I'm always in relationships. Wow. Or dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. My sister is that way too. She's always with, she's yeah. always been with a partner. I, yeah, I, I'm starting to realize it's not good for me because I'm just avoiding myself, but mm. so, yeah. I'm we'll talk about that in your reading. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so besides what you've mentioned already, is there any other place in time in your life that you felt stuck and you were just like, what the fuck do I do? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've felt like that so many times. I think one of my most stuck moments when I, was, when I was working at the hair salon, that was like a pretty toxic environment. Mm. And I was going through, I had a very early Saturn return and my, like my Saturn return, I think had already started. And I have a knee injury, history of knee injury. And I ended up like getting hurt, uh, just from being on my feet too much. And, I think it was like the waitressing and the heels and every day just like stomping around the concrete floors of the salon that I worked at. So I ended up having to take some time out and get my cartilage removed in my knee because it it had gotten a tear. And about a month later, I went back to work and I was so happy when I was on the medical leave. Like I was just like every day, I was like, oh my God, I don't have to be there. I'm so happy. Like my energy was better. Everything was better. But I felt like I owed something to the salon. And I still don't know why. I think it's the culture that they had built over there. And it just like, I felt like my my self-worth was very low. And I also felt like they were the only people that could build it back up as well. Like if they didn't think I was good enough, then it didn't matter who told me I was good enough. Like I needed to go back there and have them Mm -hmm. tell me we were wrong about you. You're great. So, so I end up going back. And, uh, in the meantime, I had a very expansive experience. I went to an interview, um, at dry bar actually, and met with one of the managers. And I just was like, look, I want to freelance. I do, you know, editorial hair and wedding hair on the side, but I'd love a place I can work out a couple of days a week. And she's like, a hundred percent, like you love everything. Your work is amazing. Like you call me whenever you want a job and it's yours. So I had something that was like a cool backup, but yet I went right back to the salon and Mm -hmm. I just remember being so miserable and feeling like I can't leave. And I got thrown down the stairs literally by the universe and broke my right foot. So now I have a cast on my right foot and a wow. new on my left foot. I've been one month out wow. since surgery and I go back to work like the next day and like the boot and the thing. And I like, couldn't even walk. 
And I get myself into this space. I'm like, this is like, <laughs> like horrible. <laughs> and I'm so unhappy. And, and like the universe tried to do everything it could to like not send me back yet. I still, that's how stuck I was. I like, that uh-huh. wasn't enough for me. And, and then I remember the next day I had a doctor's appointment in the morning and he was like, you really got to take it easy. Like you probably shouldn't be like doing everything you're doing, but I had to be back at work. So I was going in the subway. Oh my God. This is the story that like changed my life. I'm going down the steps of the subway. I swipe the pass like on the wrong side. And you know how you have to wait 15 minutes from when you swipe it to re-swipe it? So I realized like, oh no, I'm going down like the wrong way. And this isn't going to take me downtown. This is taking me uptown. So I circle back around and go back outside, go down the next staircase. And there should have been an attendant and she was there, but she was like a line of like six people deep. And I'm waiting to talk to her. Finally, I get through. I show her my pass. I'm like, listen, I just swiped on the other side. Can you let me through? And she's like, no, the machine's broken. I can't. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And meanwhile, behind me, I can feel and hear the train coming, like my train that was going to take me downtown. And someone had opened up the emergency door. You know, you hear it. It's like, rear, 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 rear. And so that door is open behind me, like into the subway, into right where my train would be. And she's looking at me and she's kind of making eyes like at the door. She's like, miss, I can't help you looking at the door. And I'm like, I'm like, I I can't go through that door. She goes, miss, go through the door. Like she had to give me permission to not, it's not even like I was stealing anything because I'd already swiped the damn pass on the other side. I was waiting for her permission to Mm -hmm. walk through a door for me that was already open to get on the subway that I needed. And I walked through the door and I got on the train and the doors closed like just in time. It was like one of those like just in time moments. And I got off that subway. I walked up through the stairs to the salon. I walked into the manager's office and I was like, I quit. Wow. <laughs> I am done. I've been waiting for someone to tell me you can quit. It oh was like, my God. I was so powerless before that, that I didn't, like I was always waiting for permission, if that makes sense. Wow. That's fucking amazing. Holy shit. That's such a good story. Wow. Sometimes we just need a moment like that though to make us go like, oh, this is how I'm behaving right now. <laughs> like yeah. I get it. Wow. You know? Oh my God. That's crazy. Whew. That's awesome. Um, so your podcast is called Beauty Therapy mm-hmm. Podcast. Would you like to just explain that briefly? Yeah. So I, like I said, I've been in the industry, beauty industry for 15 years and I've worked on a lot of different areas. Um, I noticed when I came into working behind the chair, especially as a hairdresser, that my industry is not the most healthy. Um, a lot of people don't exercise, take really great care of like their hair, skin and nails, but not necessarily their hearts or their physical bodies. Um, there's just, it's, the beauty industry and the wellness world, you would think would be like hand in hand, but they felt, I mean, it just felt so far apart. And so I decided about a year ago, yeah, 
um, that I wanted to start a conversation about it and help beauty professionals take better care of themselves. Like things I wish I would have had when I was working as a hairdresser and things I still need working in the beauty industry and talking about things, you know, spirituality, financial, you know, advice, uh, wellness, really everything that would make you a well-rounded beauty pro. And it's not just for beauty professionals, it's really for any creatives, anybody who's in a position where they feel like they're giving themselves away, whether it's through a job of service or say you only have so much self-love in a day and you're like giving away 75% of it to your children Mm -hmm. or your husband. Like how do you, after giving so much from a position of service, really kind of give back to yourself? So I joke that it's your weekly dose of therapy um, Mm -hmm. for that. It's for the people out there that are the givers and the magic makers and the ones that are just in in need of their own self-love the most. Yeah. Your podcast is really good. So everyone go listen. (laughs) Oh, thank you. So this is a question I ask everyone. Um, What would you tell someone who feels stuck with their life? Somebody who felt stuck with their life. Oh, that's that's a really good one. I think... I, and I, it, depending on where you're stuck in your life, I guess this advice, this advice may change mm-hmm. a little bit, but something I've been really into lately, these two things, one of them is, is looking at the fears around getting what you want. Mm. And so many people look at how great their life will be once they get what they want and how once, once I'm there, I'm going to automatically, you know, once I get that new job, I'm going to be so healthy and I'm going to, you know, save money and have work-life balance, all these things. And it's like, okay, but what are you afraid of might happen when you get that new job? And maybe deep down, there's a fear, like I'm not, I fear I'm not going to be competent enough or I fear I'm going to get fired or I'm afraid of actually being that happy because what if I'm that happy and then it gets taken away from me. And so an activity that I'm really into lately is looking at what am I afraid of will happen when I get the thing that I want the most Mm -hmm. and then writing a positive affirmation around it. So for the example, I just used the affirmation could be something like, I'm going to learn while I'm on the job. And I I know that I'm ready for the growth. Um, You know, learn, learning is part of the process and, um, and, and I always have a safety net. There's always like worst, very worst case scenario. I'll get fired from this job. There's always other jobs. So there's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of. And once I work there, think about the experience I'll have that make me a good candidate to work somewhere else, whatever, whatever that might look like for you. Um, I really suggest doing that because I think there's always space between us and getting the thing that we want. And oftentimes when we look at the fears, we are releasing kind of like that low vibration energetics that are holding us between us and the thing that we really want. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I love is like, rather than thinking leaving is going to say you feel stuck at your job and you're like, leaving is going to be so hard. Start asking the universe to show you how easy this can be. And this is actually going to be one of my tips for you based on your chart. Um, because you have a tendency to struggle. You love to, you kind of love the struggle a little bit. It's part of you. It's like ingrained in you. Like as long as I struggle, I'll get the success. <sighs> and part of, part of our, the way it works with the universe is the universe is always trying to reach us through our crack of least resistance. So say I'm trying to manifest abundance, right? Say I want to start my own company and I like, I need $30,000. And I think, okay, well, if I go work at this really shitty job for four years and <laughs> struggle a lot, I can save the $30,000 and then I can start my own company. Mm-hmm. The universe is like, oh, okay, got you. 
that's your crack of least resistance. So you know what? We're going to send you the shitty job. We'll make sure you get paid with the shitty amount that you want so that you can be there for four years so that you can have your business, right? But when we start to say like, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have all the answers. Show me how easy this can be. What we do is we widen our crack and we allow more space for things that we completely unexpect to come through and surprise us with like the simplest solutions. And I have been saying, show me how easy for months now and just watching literally jaw on the floor as things just kind of come through or work out. Like an afternoon where I'm so slammed and so busy and can't see my way out. I'm like, you know what? Show me how easy and just watch like meetings cancel. I'm like, how did that happen? Like, it's just the craziest thing. And it's worked in so many ways. And so look for, look for the ease, look for it, expect it. Um, and, and widen that crack, widen it. And don't think I have to go through, like, say you wanted to leave a relationship and you envision, I'm going to have to like hire movers and no one's going to come and help me and take time off of work. And I'm going to have to cry for months and all this stuff. Just like, show me how easy this can freaking be. Like, just show me, like allow the ease to come with this because maybe yes, it is hard to go through a breakup, but maybe everything around it doesn't also have to be a freaking shit show. (laughs) Like maybe some of it can be in flow. Does that make sense? Oh my God. Yes. I love those answers. So good. I freaking love you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) So where can people follow you and connect with you? So you can find me if you're interested in hearing more about human design. My Instagram is at Kira with love. And the podcast is at beauty therapy podcast on Instagram. And it's everywhere that podcasts can be listened to. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you could, please, please, I would truly appreciate if you could share this episode, text it to someone, DM it to someone, share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't care where, but I would truly appreciate it because that is how this podcast is going to get out. It's how it's going to spread, and I really would like it to grow so that my amazing guests can help other people figure out their lives and figure out their authentic self and all that. So if you could do that, that'd be great. If you could leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be amazing as well. All right. Love you all so much. Bye.